so good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And um, as you're getting settled, if you will, turn with me um, in your Bibles to Acts chapter 9. And uh, if, you've got your, uh, if you've got your electronic Bibles with you uh, at this moment and uh, you're, you're on the media there or whatever, please feel free to share uh, the live stream and continue to help us preach the gospel um, in this way. Uh, again, Victoria's um, testimony is just so powerful to me and resonates for all of those uh, and messages I get during the week from all over. Just thank you for the live stream and what God is doing. So the media team who worked so tirelessly uh, to make that happen. If you have never wandered by the media room in the back, I know you see the sound room here, but if you've never wandered by the media room and, and looked in there to see the six or so guys or however many's back there to make all of that happen, you should do that one day and just tell them thank you. Well, and gals back there, yeah. I, I, when I say guys, it's just... Uh, but uh, I want to give them a hand too, right? Let's, let's thank them for what they do. So much is happening. Thank you, brother. Um, I, I, I want to, I mean, it's the new year. Obviously, last year, I, uh, last week I talked a little bit as a prelude to, to where we're going uh, for the month of January. And so as uh, I get the honor, uh, I believe, of, of being the, the one among the eldership team that gets to share uh, with you as a church what God deposits among us in our hearts as elders. And so much of the conversation when we gather ourselves together is, is just about the goodness of God and, and how uh, we as uh, your uh, eldership team can help facilitate what God is doing among us in a way of excellence. And so every year in January we do this, this uh, series that we really talk about renewing our vision and those type of things. And of course this year uh, it, it can be kind of cliche because it's 2020 and we go 2020 vision and those type of things. But I'm going to tell you what I'm excited for about this. Uh, and last week, I've lost my glasses somewhere, so I have my backups on today. And uh, they're not really as good as my new ones, um, because I'm getting old and my eyes are just... Anyway. Um, but all week long, I, as I looked for my glasses, I kept, I kept being stirred back to my sermon notes that I've been working on for this series. And the title of 2020 Vision. And the truth of the matter is, uh, many of you might not know, but a lot of times... What you see up front here is PowerPoints. Is, it's, it's early back there in the back. So uh, I can see the power. I can't see them without my glasses. So um, I, I kept wondering all week long, how am I going to see the notes um, and those things even on the page? Uh, my vision is failing and, and I, need to, I lost my glasses. And I got here early this morning. I thought maybe I left them on the pulpit. We've looked through our house. We've, we've gone everywhere we've gone. And I can't find them. Lord, my vision is failing. Hello, somebody. It doesn't mean I can't function. It doesn't mean I can't keep living my life. It doesn't mean I can't keep doing the things that I normally do. But what happens is when, when I have the right glasses on or when I've got a new pair of glasses on, the same life that I'm living, I'm able to see clearer. Come on. And even though it's cliche because it's the year 2020 and we talk about 2020 vision, which is perfect vision, I'm excited because all week long on social media, I've seen the other churches talk about their own vision series that's coming up. 
And, and I'm excited about that. I'm excited to see the churches in our area talk about purpose, talk about vision, talk about going, talk about doing, and, 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 and actually watching the kingdom of God be established in our area in a powerful way. And it, it, it does something for me. I don't preach to those other churches. I preach to this one. But I'm excited to see the, the leaders of those churches stirring the people that call those churches home to purpose, to clarity. And that's what we want to do because there's a lot of good things. I'm going to be giving uh, uh, to you here uh, over the next few months uh, or weeks uh, a, a you know, state of the union or state of the church aspect, where we're at. Come on, someone. So you come to the end of the year, what the finances look like, what we're looking at for the next part of it, how all that works. That's why the big push now always every year is to think about your own fight. Get out of debt. Right? Be free. We should all have these finally moments. Where we figure out the will of the Lord and there's peace in our life. In that area. So I want to walk through this with you uh, in the next few weeks to, to help you understand uh, what it is Firm Foundation Ministries is doing, what we're about, why we're doing what we're doing, all those things. How you could get involved, why you should get involved. In particular, the, the keystone of that is the message today. And so in Acts chapter 9, I want to read to you a, a passage of scripture where we pick up after. Uh, uh, Saul, or we know as the Apostle Paul, ha has had his conversion, and uh, there's a moment of something that happens in his life. Quickly after his conversion, um, there's something that happens. We pick it right up on verse 18. The Bible says, And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. And when he had received food, he was strengthened. And Saul spent some days, everybody say some days, with the disciples. Everybody say disciples at Damascus. It didn't say he spent some days in church services. It didn't say he spent some days in Bible studies. Now, Pastor Don is all about Bible studies. I study the Bible. Hello, somebody. My discipleship uh, class, with, when I bring guys in, is to, is to teach guys how to work through the scripture, and, and let watch, anyway. I, I, but here's what I think we've done in the modern day church. We have substituted building the church for Bible studies. We come and study, 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 and we don't go and do any of it. So you might see me get a little aggravated when we hear about, oh, we're doing more Bible studies. Right? We, we can Bible study to the point we do nothing, and we're so full of knowledge that we think that we're actually leading people, but we're not. The Bible says, equip the saints for the working of the ministry. That means to do. Now, Paul spent some time with disciples. Now, disciples are important because it's about time that we focus on why we're doing what we're doing. It's time for the church to look at what it looks like to make disciples and not excuses. If the church, see the kingdom of God always has been. 
We're not building the kingdom. It always has been. The kingdom of God is. And it always will be. We're building the church. And the church is the, the point in a particular spot in history where the kingdom of God in, in invades planet earth. We build in the church. We are co-laborers with Christ. And what did Christ come to do? Build the church. He said, I will build my and the gates of hell shall not. So we need to get this straight as we go into this next year about what God is really calling us to do and how we're going to accomplish what we're doing. I'm all for Bible study, but I'm not all for getting fat on knowledge and doing nothing with it. Paul spent some time with who? Not religious folk. With disciples. Now that's an important word in your Bible. You might want to circle it because we're going to come back to it in a minute. He spent some time with disciples at Damascus. And immediately he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the son of God. Then all who heard it were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem? Were those disciples judging Saul? Let me ask you this question. Were they judging him? Or were they saying, hey, we know who that guy used to be. There might need to be a little bit of time to prove to us there's been change. Hello, somebody. So Mr. Kanye West can make an album if he wants to. I'm not judging him when I say, I'm going to need to see you spend a little bit of time with some disciples. Oh, I, I felt it. I felt it in the room. Because now Snoop Dogg's a Christian. Did y'all see that? Who's next? Taylor Swift? You better believe they are if they can market an album to you and buy, cause you to buy it. See, I'm not against them. I'm not judging them. I'm just saying the modern-day church of Jesus Christ is the only organization on planet Earth that does not require its members to change. And the fact of the matter is if Pastor Don lived his life like a bunch of so-called Christians lived their life, y'all kick me out of here now. He spent some time with some disciples. Y'all not helping me this morning. I thought y'all would be excited about this. And they were all like, wait. Paul increased all the more in strength. Why? Because he spent some time with disciples. And he confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Why? Because he spent some time with disciples. Come on, somebody. He proved that this was legit. Now, after many days, somebody say many days. See, he spent some time in discipleship. This religious man who was a Pharisee of Pharisees, the Hebrew of Hebrews, this man, come on somebody, spent some time in personal discipleship. And after many days, I don't have a trick Bible, after many days of this happening, the Jews plotted to kill him. 
But their plot became known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. And the disciples took him by night and led him down through the walls in a large basket. They're like, hey, something's happened in his life. He's been changed. He's committed himself to discipleship. We see this is legitimate. Now it's our job to support, love, care, protect. See, that's why church is important. And when Saul had come to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. There's another group of disciples and didn't believe that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took him, brought him into the apostles, and he declared to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and had spoken to him and how he had preached boldly in Damascus. Hey, here's the disciple. I can vouch for the change in his life. I can vouch that he spent time. Y'all not listening to me. Love it. So he was with them in Jerusalem, coming in and going out, and he spoke boldly in the name of the Lord Jesus and disputed amongst the Hellenists, but they attempted to kill him. And when the brethren found out, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him out to Tarsus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the reading of the word. Would you bless it to the hearing of our ear and receiving of our heart in Jesus' name. And everybody said, why is it a big deal? See, Western world Christians are the only people that can tell you that they are Christian, but they can't tell you what they believe. We can't tell you why we believe in the virgin birth. We can't tell you why that's instrumental in our Christian faith. And so therefore, we're the only people who can say, this is what we believe, but allow the world to talk us out. Listen, the fact that you would believe that you could worship a God who came in the form of a baby, born of a virgin, is crazy. Kevin and I were talking about the other day. We were just, we were in Thailand. We, I watched people worship rocks. I mean, they were in the form of a statue. But it can't hear, can't move. And literally when I talked to one of the Buddhists, here's what they said to me. We have no God, we have no prophet, and we have no message. But we come and we pray to a rock. And Kevin said to me, he said, you know, that's true. The fact that we would just believe in, the, in a virgin birth is just, it could be just as crazy to some people. Can we talk about why we believe that? See, that's what discipleship is very important. That's why do we believe what we're doing is important. See, if we're going in this next decade, not just this next year, but the next decade, I believe we need to ask some very important questions. And here's the question. Does church really matter? Well, sure, it matters to you, Pastor Don, because that's where your paycheck comes from. But let me bless you this morning. You don't pay me to preach. I'm not your employee. I won't be employee. I can go cut meat. I did that for 20 years. I know I can do that. This, I don't know if I can do it. I wonder sometimes, why bother? Come on. When it looks like so many people don't even care. People can leave it or take it. It's not that big a deal. I wonder sometimes why people don't have this moment. Like Victoria walked through, finally. Come on, church. 
And that process is my job as I lead the eldership team and the eldership team leads the church. It's my job to get to this place to process the future of who we are and what we're doing and why we're doing what we're doing. That's, it's part of my job description even. It's one of those things I'm forced to not only look deep inside of our ministry, but I'm forced to look deep inside of my own soul. At the, at the beginning of every year, it would, I'm telling you, it would be just so nice to come in here and preach a little 3.25-minute sermon and get out of here. But I can't. I'm sorry about your luck. I realize that who we are and what we're doing as a ministry means very little, if anything at all, if we can't answer this question. Does church matter? Let me tell you something, parents. Your children are being discipled. If they're not being discipled in faith, they're being discipled in the world. And you are content with letting them hang out on the street corner singing with the boys and girls all night Saturday night. And, and it's not important for them to go to church on Sunday. And we, and we wonder why they're having a crisis of faith. They don't even know what you believe, much less what they believe. Y'all not... I'm preaching this morning, man, it's good. I think when we seriously study the church, we must come to the understanding that it's not about attending some activity. Come on. It's about being. It's about actually being. The question not whether the church attendance matters, but whether church matters at all. The question has nothing to do with some Sunday morning event, but, but with living, breathing together as a body uh, and enjoying and celebrating what we're becoming together in Jesus. Showing up will never be important. Giving will never matter until we answer the question at hand, and that is, does church really matter? But not just does church matter, does it matter to me personally? And, and we've, all, we've, all, we've all had to ask that question. Some of you may ask that question this morning. Is it really that important? You got up and you're, you're, you know, your children were demon-possessed. You're just trying to get them dressed. Just got to go to church. Like church doesn't even start till 10 o'clock. I mean, we managed to get to school on Monday through Friday by, you know, 7.45. But man, Sundays, all hell breaks loose. Why can these kids not get dressed on Sunday? Why, why does, why does Anne Renee have to go? A Sunday, Breno. Let's go. She's all like, hey, if Breno's got Saturday night plan, we're hanging out on the street corner singing with the boys. He's there early. Sunday morning. Have you ever noticed, husband and wife, that Sunday morning seems to be the morning where if you're going to have intense fellowship, it happens? Like... You're trying to love each other because it's, it's, it's the Lord's day, right? And, and, and this is the day that the Lord has made. I'm going to rejoice and be glad in it right after I kill my spouse. Why, this is all, why my wife and I drive separate to church? 
We decided a long time ago, we ain't got time for that drama on Sunday morning. We can fight after church. What difference does it make to me? Why even bother? You think you're the only one who struggles with Sunday mornings? Hello, somebody. I'm just going to be honest with you. I love all of y'all, but Sunday mornings is the worst time to try and schedule something with me. Because all 500 of y'all are trying to do it. My wife's like, how can you not remember that? I'm like, because there was 500 other things going on. There's a demon in the sound booth. Matt's trying to figure that out. Right? The, the worship team, they just they don't know how all that stuff works. They just know their instrument isn't working. And now they're all over Ryan Yesh because their instrument ain't doing what it's supposed to. And it ain't their fault for sure. It's Ryan's fault. I get to church and Ryan's in tears. <laughs> why does this always happen on Sunday? You know why? Because it matters. See, sometimes we treat it like it's optional. Sometimes we treat this whole thing like it's optional. optional. Like it's, it, it, we can leave it or take it. We can do this. You may even say on occasions, like, we've all been there, right? I, I can do it better on my own. I don't need to be a part of, of church to live for God. Besides, church doesn't do anything for me anyway. Does church really matter to us? I mean, like, let me ask this question. Could, could you get along without church? Hundreds of thousands of believers today are living outside of church. Does it work? Should it work? Do we really need to keep doing this every week? Does church really matter? See, God's got a message for us, and it's bigger than the one that's on my t-shirt. Starts there. He's got a message for us that's incredible as we start this new year and we start to think about this new decade. It simply is that church does matter. It does matter. It matters. And, and on purpose over the next few weeks, I'm going to go slow and I want to prove it to you. I want to prove to you how much it matters. Right? I want to demonstrate to you not only does the church matter, but I want to demonstrate to you why I believe that Firm Foundation Ministries matters. And, and it, it just goes back from something the Lord dropped in my spirit on January 4th of 2004. This place matters. It mattered to Saul. Come on. Why was that? Listen, he was a religious guy. You, you know what I'm saying? And he was a religious guy in the fact that he hated Christians, right? He hated what they stood for. He hated all those people who were the followers of Christ. In, in Acts, they called it the way, right? Hello, somebody. And this is the thing, right? Like, anybody ever accused you of being in the way? You're just in the way. Absolutely. Why are you always in the way? Because that's what I'm supposed to be. Hello, somebody. They just called it the way, right? And, and, and this is the way they were known before. At Antioch, they gave them the name Christians. It, it, this thing, this term, these people, they, they're followers of the way. Hello, somebody. 
Now Saul had made himself this reputation, you know, he persecuted the church, he arrested a lot of people, he was, he was, he was putting them in jail, he had consent to put many of them to death, he went on and on and on, and we come to Acts chapter 9, and he's traveling with some of his posse, right? He's got his group, you know what I'm saying? And, and there's... You've you seen in the movie, right? Like there's fire behind him and all, and, the, and this, this group's walking in slow motion away from the fire, right? Like they've accomplished something big. Like that's Saul. They leave one town. It's Christians. Hello, somebody. And they're walking, and, and they're, they're doing this thing, right? And they're on this road to Damascus, and they've got a purpose. They've got a reason. They're going to arrest as many believers as they can find in Damascus. Now, you need to understand that the road to Damascus it, 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 Jerusalem, it's about 135 miles. They're walking. It, it is going to take a while. They're walking. Riding horses, whatever they're doing. Something powerful must have been happening in Damascus for a man to say, I am willing to walk 135 miles to put an end to it. Something powerful must have been happening in Damascus that news of what was happening there would travel 135 miles. It ain't no internet. No, nobody's texting. Hello, somebody. I don't know what was happening in Damascus other than there's some believers, there's some disciples. There. Hello, somebody. And I just want you to understand, I believe that wherever there are true disciples of Jesus Christ, wherever there are people who are followers of Jesus, stuff's happening. Stuff is happening. And the earth is shaking. Things are being changed. Followers of Christ were there. I don't know exactly what was going on, but it must have been so important that this man who was charged by the Pharisee council, the Sanhedrin had charged him, given him permission, kill them all, put them to death, and put an end to it. 135 miles i got to travel to deal with this. I don't know about you, but if i got to walk 135 miles, I'm going to really think about how important it is, whatever's on the other end of it. I, who's closer? Maybe you don't read your Bible. Maybe you never thought about that before. Something was going on there. And news had reached Jerusalem. Saul said, I'm putting a stop to this thing. At least that was his plan. Until Jesus showed up. He, the Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man. Hello, somebody. But the end thereof is... Some of y'all reading your Bible. I, I got I got I got this seems good to me. This seems good to me. And this I got And Jesus somehow shows up and, and he just interrupts all those plans. Why? Because Jesus needed to show Saul just how important the church was. What did Jesus say to him? Why are you persecuting me? Watch what happens next. You know he has this moment, Lord, is that you? All those things happen in his life. He, this conversion happens uh, on the road to Damascus. And, I, and Acts chapter 9, verse 18 through 30, tell us what happens next. The first thing Paul did after his conversion was be baptized. Second thing he did, brace yourself, hold your neighbor. He spent some time with disciples. Didn't say he spent some time Bible studying. 
that, did they study? I'm sure they did. They're, well, you know, I mean, they didn't have the New Testament, but I'm sure, like, they're the teachings of Christ. All these things are going on. He spent some time with the disciples. He, 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 did, he didn't go. He, listen, this is not the priority, which was just to join a clique, do those particular things. It was like he spent some time with the disciples at Damascus, the very place. He said, something is happening. I'm going to put an end to it. When he was on his way there, Jesus interrupted and changed his life in such a way that Jesus put him in the middle of what was taking place there. Now, some of your translations might actually say he spent some time with believers, uh, but they weren't average, ordinary, everyday believers. The Greek word is disciples, and there's a major difference. Major difference. The Bible says that while he was with those disciples, he began to preach Christ. Think about this. This is such a radical change. I know what some of y'all are saying. Why are you getting hard on Kanye? He's preaching Christ. I'm not being hard on him. I'm not judging him at all. I listened to his album. And he's the one who wrote the lyrics that said, Christians are going to be the first one to judge me. I ain't judging him. I'm just saying, I need you to spend some time with some disciples. Hello, somebody. Can God use him? You better believe it. Listen, if Snoop Dogg is a spirit-filled Christian, I'm the first one to say, use him, Lord. Is there a shakening happening? At at the very least, is it something that we can use to promote Christ? Yes, it is if it's done properly. Because see, the fame of Christianity, the popularity of that is much different, come on somebody, than living it out every day. Now here's what I love, because here's what we begin to hear. You can see some change, and something is taking place. Why? Because his family's being changed. Now his wife is saying, I'm not dressing like that no more. Come on, somebody. I'm like, okay, something's working here. There's got to be some disciples involved. Because now we're seeing what John the Baptist talked about for true conversion, which was the fruit of repentance. That's what John said. He said, go show forth the fruit of repentance. Change, change, change. We have got to make a commitment at Firm Foundation Ministries that we will not be a church that doesn't require our members to change. I'm going to be the last person to hand you a list of rules of do's and don'ts. I'm not doing that. It's not my job. But I am going to be the first person in your life to say, if Jesus has come into your life, change is going to happen. Change is going to happen. And if change ain't happening, come on, somebody. You walk up to an apple tree. I never seen an apple tree until I moved to Michigan. Ugliest tree I've ever seen in my life. But there ain't no doubt to me, even though I'd never seen an apple tree, that it was an apple tree. You know why? Because it had apples on it. I grew up around orange trees. You ain't going to mistake an orange tree for an apple tree. You want me to tell you why? Because one's got an orange and one's got an apple. 
you can see the fruit. You see, change happens by resting in what you are, not by straining. You ever seen an apple tree strain to produce apples? It doesn't shake, it doesn't violate, it's not struggling, it's just being an apple tree. Come on, see, if we are Christians and we're hanging out with disciples, change happens because we are becoming who we say we are. Now, what does any of this have to do with why church matters? Well, I'm glad you asked. You've got to understand what the church is. Jesus creates the church, but he never intended for the church to be what it has evolved into today. And that is a place where, it, it seems to be a place where what you look like is important. Uh, where you're from is important. Where, where your bank account is, is important. How, how, many, how many of you can, can speak Spanish? Raise your hand. A few of you, right? And that's great. But how many of you know every one of us can worship when they sing those lyrics in Spanish this morning? So we need to get more and more inclined to God growing us beyond who we are. You see, we've got to understand what the church is. Church in the Bible was simply a group of disciples who were doing life together. And here's what breaks my heart as a pastor. Some of you people, the only time you see each other, the only time you have any interaction with each other is on Sunday mornings. And if we're going to be a group of disciples, that's got to change. We're doing life together. Hello, somebody. We're on this mission together. If, we're, if our vision is going to be true, if we are going to be an Antioch church, which was prophesied to us, a church where we sinned and we sinned and we sinned, we're going to have to do more life together. We've got to stop hanging out with the world and start hanging out with each other. Because see, Paul had a conversion and he stopped hanging out with all those Pharisees and he started spending some time with disciples. And his life changed spiritually, physically, financially, emotionally. Everything began to change. He began to be like, you ever met a couple who, who, who've been married for, I don't know, 50, 60 years? You ever met? They act like each other. They look like each other. You know why? Because they've been with each other forever. They've been there over and over and over with each other. They can finish each other's sentence. They walk step to step together. They've been hanging. See, this is why it's so uncommon. This is why we feel alienated even in church service because we don't hang out with each other. We don't know this person. Am I saying we shouldn't make friends with the world? No, absolutely we should. We should do those things. But my hangout, my equipping, everything that I'm doing is about disciples. I'm doing life together. Today, uh, church has become more or less nothing than a group of believers who just attend a weekly meeting together. And if that's all church is, it's pretty much optional. From the beginning, Jesus expected that we would be people who would be saved, we would be baptized, we would be discipled, and that means we are to be followers and imitators of him. And disciples are more than, they're more than just learners. They're, 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 they're an apprentice that follows a master. They're, they're people who emulate their leader. In other words, there's a seriousness and a determination to reflect the real reality of Jesus Christ in the world. Come on. 
can you be, I'm going to say something that's a little controversial even for me. I'm still wrestling it out. And I think there, there is some, as I, as I wrote it down, and I'm just like, okay, I want to wrestle that out a little bit because I, I do believe there's some truth in it and those type of things. But I think there's still some deeper details in it. Can you be a believer and not be a disciple? I think so. But you cannot be a disciple and not follow Jesus. And why do I say that? Because everywhere you find a church in the New Testament, you find disciples. And everywhere you find disciples in the New Testament, you find a church. Y'all need to remember that. That's why church matters. Why? Because when you have a group of disciples, you have a group of people who are naturally drawn together under the banner of Christ, under the banner of mission, of the banner of why we're living, right? Of all those things. Most of us in this church would stand up right here and say, I do not feel the call to leave Michigan, travel across an ocean, sell all my stuff, and be a missionary in a foreign country. That's fine. But the Lawrences do. Sydney does. Together we are under the banner of that, and I can be a missionary with them. Hello, somebody. And I'm just telling you, personally, they should never struggle with funding. I can't go, but I can give. Even if it's 10 bucks a month. Come on. This needs to happen. Send these boards out there. The Lawrences are ready. Right? All these things. If we're sending, this is our banner. Right? This is what happens. Disciples, they want to follow together. Disciples, they want to learn together. Disciples, they want to do life together. They want to build the church and establish the kingdom of God. Disciples, they want to fulfill Christ's purpose together. They want to go and make disciples and then send. This is why our push is to do what? Save the lost. Disciple the saved and send the equipped. There's this big thing in the Western world, especially in America, to be known as the fastest growing church. It's the fastest growing church in America. Breaks my heart. Do I want our church to grow? Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'd be, I would rather be known as the the fastest shrinking church because we're sending. Better not go to that church because as soon as you get there, they're going to equip you and send you somewhere. That means we got to continue to win the loss, doesn't it? That means we got to continue. See, I believe that God never leaves us with a vacuum. And I believe that over, especially all I can testify is the last 16 years, but I've looked at the history of our church since 1996. And one thing I can prove to you in the next few weeks I'm going to show you is that spiritually, physically, and financially, God has never left us in a vacuum. He has never left us in a vacuum. When we have sent, God has filled And see, I actually think that many times God is waiting to fill till we sin. Because that's what God's called us to. God's not called us to be the fastest growing church. Do I want a church to grow? Absolutely. I'm just going to be honest with you. Right? The Bible says that there are men of tens, there are men of twenties, there are men of fifties, there are men of hundreds, men of thousands. Hello, somebody. And I look at myself personally, and as I lead the church, and I, and I lead, or I lead the team, and the team leads the church, let's, let's get it correct, I'm not real sure Pastor Don is a man of thousands. 
I don't know that I have the ability to care for thousands of people. That's why it's important for you to be discipled to help us care. Hello, somebody. People have been asking me, hey, what are you going to have Breno do? Care. Come on. As we grow the team, what's going to happen? All those things. We're going to care more. We're going to love people. All those things have to happen, right? So we've got to continue to let this flow happen. A swamp is a swamp because it's got an inlet but no outlet. See, Firm Foundation Ministries ain't no swamp. It ain't no swamp. When we were thinking about selling this piece of land because we didn't know what God wanted to do, Bryn Franklin came all the way from England, a prophet, and we brought him out here and we said, tell us whether God wants us to sell this 10 acres and, and, and not be able to do. He spent a few minutes praying. He came back to us as leaders and he said, God says, don't sell it. God showed me a watering hole where a river flows in, it swells up, and a river flows out, and people are going to come from all over the nations to drink and be filled in this place. He said that. And so as an eldership team, we want to honor the prophecy. We said, great, we're not selling it. And look what God has done. Victoria, did you get a good drink while you were here? Yeah? Good. I'm glad. This is what we want. When, when our missionaries come home, we want them to be filled. Hello, somebody. Come on, because they're out there, they, I mean, they're working on what they've been giving. And they get thirsty, and they, they need to be filled. This is what we want. Every Sunday when we come together, we want our worship to be. That's why people ask me all the time, what kind of church is Firm Foundation Ministries? We are a word and spirit church. I'm a word man. I'm always going to be a word man. I'm sorry about your luck. I can't preach a 25-minute sermon. Why are you laughing? You want a 25-minute sermon, I can recommend to you great churches. I'm not criticizing them because their pastor can preach a 25-minute sermon. As a matter of fact, he is a, he's probably a better preacher than I am. You don't chase as many rabbits as I do. But we're not a streamlined church. We're going to spend time in God's presence. The worship team's got their set of five songs, but what you might not know is they've got a list of ten songs. They're ready to go if we're going to go all... They're ready. We're going to spend some time in God's presence. We're going to spend some time underneath the word of God. Because the Bible says the water of the washing of the word that renews our mind. It's what establishes us. It's what disciples us. It's how we come together in mission. Because we, this is the one time when all of us gather together to hear the same word. On Wednesday nights, there's this Bible study, the men's Bible study, the women's Bible study, discipleship's happening, the book of Revelation's being taught. All this stuff is happening. James, all these things, Bible memories going on. We're all scattered about and we're learning. But this is the one time where we gather together to sit under the same word together. There's no lack of the word around here. Hello, somebody. We're a word and spirit church, and we're not going to apologize for that. It's what we do. Man, you guys have a two-hour church service. If you are disappointed because a church service lasts two hours, you're going to be disappointed when we stand in front of the throne of God and we start singing for all eternity. Because I don't know what else you got to do. I'm excited about making disciples and not excuses. I'm excited. This is why, as an eldership team, we've decided that what my, my wife and I do on a weekly, day-to-day -day basis is going to change. I love your marriages, and I've spent 20 years doing marriage counseling. Hello, somebody. 
but I cannot continue to spend 25 hours a week doing marriage counseling. Hello, somebody. That's why there's a Sunday school class for marriage. Yep. You want your marriage fixed, but you can't get here at 9 o'clock on a Sunday morning when we're going to take care of your children so you can go sit down in a class and be taught the same thing Pastor Don and Lisa are going to teach you. It's not my fault. We got a church in Kalamazoo that's growing that needs some help. I got to be there too to help them. We got more churches that are planting. Are you with me? I got news for you. Brenda's going to come on staff, but he ain't hanging around here long. Y'all got quiet. He knows that. I know that. And so do you. These kids that are coming up from global, all these, all these, everything we're doing. Listen, it's all part of what God is doing. We've got to spend some time in serious discipleship so that when we send, those people are equipped. Hello with me, church. Come on. This is what we're doing. A group of disciples doing life together so that our DNA is spread out into all that God is doing on planet Earth. This is what a church is. Paul was saved, he was baptized, and immediately he was drawn into disciples. He began to live out that purpose by sharing his faith. And I want you to know we have got to live on purpose. In Matthew 28, at the end of the chapter there, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've given all authority in heaven and earth. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Who is Jesus talking about in verse 18 where it says he spoke to them? His disciples. Go make more. Go make more. Jesus commands his disciples to go and make more disciples so they could go and do the same. Come on, somebody. The worth of any ministry is the product it produces. And every church produces disciples. Come on. Somebody say amen. Absolutely, we produce disciples. Just like every car factory produces cars. Some of them produce Yugos. And some of them produce Cadillacs. Come on, church. I saw a Bentley the other day, and I was like, oh, my gosh. Look at that thing. My wife's like, that's not in the Dave Ramsey plan. Hello, somebody. That's not in the Dave Ramsey plan. Every, I, I got something for you right here, right? Now, this, this thing is special to me. I don't know if you know it, but this is a Rolex. You want to see it? It's pretty cool. Don't freak out. It ain't a real one. The real watch company that produces this same watch Hello, somebody. When they sell it, it's $15,000. Now, the Folex company that produced this one, there's a difference. Even though this particular one, you probably can't tell the difference much in, right? Listen, I was in Thailand. I bought it on the market, okay? I bought it on the street corner at the black market. I'm sorry. Just forgive me, right? 
Don't fuss about me about my kit Rolex because some of y'all drive around kit cars acting like they're the real thing, right? There's a difference. It's a still good quality watch, and I like it, and that's all that matters. It didn't cost $15,000, that's for sure. See, this is what I'm talking about. What kind of product does Firm Foundation Ministry want to produce? See, when we send, if we send to Students International, if we send wherever, if we plant churches, you know the greatest thing that I love to hear about sending our people somewhere is the response from those whom they got sent to to say, we cannot believe, we cannot believe the quality of these people. Producing a product when Paul was saved, he naturally wanted to be a disciple. Come on. And he wanted to be discipled. Was it effective? Let me ask you this question. Was it effective? I'd say so, since he turned out to be the greatest missionary the church history has ever seen. So let's make sure everyone's on the same page here. I'm going to put it up here so you can see it. What is a church? It's a group of disciples doing life together. Why does the church exist? To make more disciples. And what will those disciples do? They will disciple one another, and they will go out and make more disciples. That's what we do. Not next week, but the week after, we're going to send a team of adults to, to uh, the Dominican Republic. We are sending. Hello, somebody. And we're sending people who have been equipped and discipled. And they're going, not because they want to go to a foreign country, but because they're ready to do what God's asked them to do. And then next month, we're going we're gonna to send a group of teenagers, right? Uh, 30 or more people are going back down there to do again and, and to recreate this thing, right? All these things, uh, you know, this is, we're going to pray for Kevin and Angela and their family here in just a little bit because they're leaving Wednesday. We're sending them back again. Sydney's leaving in March. We're sending them again. Our college students are going back to college, the Bible students, uh, and the, the global, they're going. We're sending them again. We're continuing to send Hello, somebody. Now, this is so good as you think about who we are and what's going on. From the beginning, that's the way the Lord intended it. Many people are asking some hard questions about Christianity, but they're not finding the answers in church. There's a lot of people giving up on it. Because it's not, there's not any reality. It's not effective. It doesn't have any relevance to their life today. And the Bible doesn't match what they're getting in real life. And, and people today are reading their Bibles. And, and they're, they're finding out that what the Bible describes as the church looks a lot different than what they've been experiencing each and every day. What we're trying to pass off as the church. Tim, is it okay if I share your conversation about the, the, the new church that opened up that you had? He was look, they were looking for members. So Tim said he had a conversation with a guy who just started this new church, and Tim was talking to him, okay, you know, what's going on in church? He said, well, we're looking for people who qualify for membership. Did I get it right? Is that all right? That's not the way we're going. See, we should save the lost. And then we should disciple the saved. Come on, church. And then we should send the disciples. That's what we're doing. I'm not looking for people who qualify for membership. Because one day you're going to come in here on a Sunday and Pastor Don's going to have a tie on. 
And one Sunday, you're going to come in here, and I'm going to have a T-shirt on with a crazy little saying. Because I just don't care anymore. Because it doesn't matter. But I guarantee you that kind of attitude sometimes will reflect you don't qualify as... No, that's not what we're doing. See, Tim's combo is very important because that is much about what the modern-day church is looking for. We're just looking for those who meet our requirements instead of looking for the lost, winning them to Jesus, letting Jesus change them as they spend time with true believers and watching their life reflect the glory of God on the face of the earth. All right, I'm getting on my soapbox because I know y'all want me to be done. We've got some good news to share with you in the next couple of weeks. We have some good news to share with you. I I was talking to Mike this morning. I was like, why can I not share this now? And he's like, no, you can't share this right now. Can you be a Christian and not go to church? Sure. Can you be a Christian and not be a part of a church? Sure. So does the church really matter? It doesn't if all you want to be is a Christian. See, I don't want Firm Foundation Ministries to be a spectator sport. I watched some football yesterday. I didn't play football. I ain't big enough to play football. Hello, somebody. I was a spectator all day. But I know all about that sport. Sometimes I'll say things the commentators say before they say them. And my wife's like, how'd you know he's going to say that? I was like, I should be a commentator. Because I know everything about that sport. And she's like, yes, you should be. And then she walks off. I don't know anything about that sport other than I'm too little to play it. Hello, somebody. You see big old Derrick Henry running over people from the Titans, this guy. I mean, how big is he? Like 500 pounds and runs 20 miles an hour. I'm not getting in his way. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm doing that. I'm a spectator. I don't want from Foundation Ministries to be spectators. I want everyone who sits in the pew to be a disciple. Does that mean you're going to preach every Sunday morning? Probably not. But it does mean we're all being equipped to do what God's called us to do. And most of that is to make more disciples so we can send more disciples. All these things. So does church really matter? See, we believe the lie of the devil. And I think it's time to work. wake up. Does church matter? Only if you've been born again. Then only if your heart's desire is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this question. Have you been born again? I, I, I don't care if you've... Mennonite, Presbyterian, I don't care if you're Episcopal, I don't care if Catholic, I don't care if you're Pentecostal, I don't, I don't care. People come in here all the time. They come from all over places and from all kinds of different denominational beliefs. I don't care about all that stuff. Listen, if our Mennonite and Amish people want to come in here and their ladies want to wear a covering, let's applaud them. If they're tying that to their salvation, I'm going to have issues. Come on. That's the only thing. Are you born again? I don't want to know if you wear a covering. I don't want to know if you don't have any tattoos. Hello, somebody. Here's a shocker. Pastor Don got a tattoo. 
It was a wedding ring. I figure after 30, almost 30 years of marriage, I'm not going anywhere, neither is she. It's probably time to make it permanent. I'm just kidding. Just. I'll get emails about that. Am I encouraging you to get a tattoo? No. Not. Mine has a purpose. Hello, somebody. I don't care. I remember Ronnie Eldridge when he got saved. You guys know Ronnie? Many of you know Ronnie. They, they're part of our church up in Kalamazoo and, and Ronnie and Katie. And uh, he's got all these tattoos. And when I met Ronnie, I had this mohawk and he had this white beater shirt on. Can I say that? Is that what it is? Oh, I can't say that. Anyway, you know, it's a uh, t-shirt. I can't say that. Um, and he, he's, if he takes his shirt off, he's got all these, like, white supremacist, neo-Nazi tattoos on his body, all over his body, and those type of things. Big gauges in his ear and all these things. And I remember because we cast a demon out somewhere, he saw the power of God, and he came to my office like, I want to know how you did that. Like, I didn't do anything. Jesus came and moved, and that demon had to leave. And he's like, I know that demon. I spent time with that demon, and I know the power of that thing. I want to know how you did that. And I got to preach to him Jesus Christ and the power of Jesus Christ. And he gave his heart and life to Jesus because he saw a demon get cast out. And he really looked at me. He's like, man, you got some modern-day Ghostbusters thing going on around here. That's what he said to me. He said, you ain't afraid of no ghost. He said that. I said, no, the, the Spirit of God lives inside of us. And greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Come on, church. Casting out a demon ain't nothing for Jesus. You can give your heart and life to Jesus. He got saved. He got radically saved. And it was incredible. And then he came to me and he's, all he said, what am I going to do about my tattoos? I said, what are you talking about? What am I going to do about my gauges? My ear. I said, what are you talking about? Well, I'm saved now. I was like, Exactly. Hello, somebody. And you know what? From that day till this, Ronnie Eldridge has never looked back. He, he's been as radical for Jesus as anybody you'll ever meet in your life. Ronnie hurt your feelings about it. I remember Ronnie mowing his grass in his yard, and some Jehovah's Witnesses showed up one day, and he had his shirt on and had all this stuff. Man, they screeched out of his yard so fast before they could eat, and he starts chasing them down the road. Now they got this guy, skinhead guy, with all these tattoos chasing down the road, right? I, they, I mean, they crossed his house off their visitation list as fast as anybody could do it. He said, man, I don't know why, but the Jehovah's Witness never came back to my house. And I'm like, Ronnie, let me tell you why. He said, I just wanted to tell him about Jesus. Have you been born again? Come on. Have you ever trusted Jesus Christ to save your soul? See, I believe that Paul's journey started the day he was traveling to Damascus and he recognized that he was a sinful man and how his sins had offended God. And then he repented of those sins and he put his faith in Christ. And the next step in his journey is he was baptized and then he began to spend some time with disciples and his life changed. Have you ever really ever joined yourself to other disciples? I'm a pastor of this church. I have the greatest, it's one of the greatest honors of my life. And I'll never forget that moment in January 4th of 2004. And even in the struggling times, right? Like when it's like, 
but it's about dumping me. Come on. Right? It takes me back to that moment. Have you ever joined yourself to other disciples? I would love for you to be a part of this church. But you can ask anybody. I don't beg people to come and be members of Firm Foundation Ministries. If I've got to beg you to come, someone else can beg you to leave. I'm just telling you, here, this is what we're doing. This is why we're doing it. Will you stand with me in this place? Kevin and Angela, will you come? If some of your kids that are with you want to come, that's fine too. Come on up here. Maybe you're here this morning and you you have surrendered your life to Christ. But maybe you've never really surrendered your life to what it means to be a disciple. And I wonder if you would do that today. If you would say, I'm, I'm making a fresh commitment. Come on up here. Yeah. So I'm making a fresh commitment that I'm going to surrender my life to discipleship. You know what that means? You see, here's what I teach the guys in discipleship class. A volunteer gets to come and do what he or she wants to do when he or she wants to do it, how he or she wants to do it. We're not looking for volunteers. A disciple has a Lord. There's a big difference. There's a big difference. And sometimes as a disciple, you're asked to do things that you could say, I'm not called to do that. It, it wasn't about calling. It was about discipleship. Hello, somebody. This is what we're doing. We're just surrendering our lives to someone and a group of people who disciple us as we walk with Jesus. Today, I wonder if you would do that. If you would say, this is my year. I'm surrendering to discipleship. I'm not making any more excuses. I want to know what that's about. I don't have to tell you that churches today are viewed as powerless, irrelevant, unnecessary, and even optional. And that will not be the banner sewed over this ministry. Come on, someone. That is a far cry from this little band of disciples in Damascus that took a man whom they feared and discipled him and turned him into the greatest missionary of church history. Apostle Paul, his life was a direct result of discipleship. We often refer to the disciples in the New Testament. Their life was a direct result of discipleship. And there's a big difference in the New Testament, whereas Pharisees and Sadducees and all of these rabbis would disciple men to a teaching. But Jesus came and discipled men to himself. It's this New Testament discipleship, being discipled to Jesus Christ. Therefore, we go where he goes. We do what he does. And then he can look at us and say, right, these things have I done, but I'm going away, and you're going to do so much more. My daughter asked me the other day. She was, we were just talking again, and, and uh, you know, the, the anniversary of Camden's death is coming up, and, and uh, we, we just have these running, just her and I were just having a, a, a conversation of faith. Like, her question was, Dad, do you think that some miracles were just for when Jesus walked the earth? And maybe they're not for today. And maybe that's a good reason why this happened. And I said, 
I, I don't believe that while I understand the wrestling of it. What I do believe is that Jesus raised the dead and then he looked at us and said, these things will you do and greater. Come on. But I also rest in his sovereignty. Hello, somebody. Quickly after that conversation, I, I got a phone call and uh, it was just it was one of those moments, right, where you're just trying to rest. It's Christmas. You're trying to... And my, I found out that my dad has been diagnosed with uh, B-cell non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And like, you know, I just get off the phone talking about resting in the sovereignty of God. And then I get a phone call that my greatest hero now, hello somebody, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with this? Right? It's not possible. Superman doesn't get cancer. Come on. We're going to take it to the Lord because we're disciples. And our faith isn't irrelevant. It's not powerless. It's not unnecessary. And it's not optional. Why? Because the church matters. And the church is where I've been discipled. It's a far cry. And we're going to change it. We're going to change it. We're going to change it. It matters to God. I want you to understand it. And, 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 and will, listen to me, church. Will it matter to you and I? next Sunday morning, all over this county and all over this area, churches are going to be filled with more suits and dresses than J.C. Penney could stop. Will it matter? Hello, somebody. Uh, that's the question. You see, Sydney, will you come up here too and pray for us as a Lawrence? Help, us, help me pray for them as they're leaving, like she's coming. Um, it's, it's incredible, right? Like we're just thinking about all these these things, right? Like Sydney's going back to Guatemala, so there's a, there's a, there's a, I don't know, a spiritual handkerchief between us, right? Like, in those areas. Here, here's a demonstration, a small one. Over the next few weeks, you're going to see some interviews. You're going to see some pushing. You're going to, you're going to see all these things that are relevant. And I hope that, I hope that you'll be blessed by them. But this is a small sample of why church matters. Do you understand that these people are leaving everything they've ever known, and they're going away, and they've put their faith on the fact that a small group of disciples who commissioned them is now going to take care of them. These are, they belong to us. Can you say amen? These missionaries don't belong to the church down the road. They belong to us. They joined their hearts to this. And I, I can remember when these guys walked through the door of Firm Foundation Ministry. I can remember when little Sydney walked through the door of Firm Foundation Ministries, right? And I can remember the first time little Sydney got up here and sang her first song. And I was like, where did that come from? Who knew? Stretch your hands towards these people who have joined us in discipleship and trusted us with their lives. Every bit of resource they have in their life that comes from the Lord comes through his disciples to them. So Lord, right now in the name of Jesus, as this is the Lawrence's last Sunday with us, God, they go back to uh, Guatemala. Lord, they go back to sending. We're sending them, God. And Lord, I pray this has been a time of refreshing and renewing and restoring and resting. Lord, I pray they go back with 2020 vision. I pray they go back with a new vigor and a new resolve. And God, I pray they go back knowing, God, that they are loved and cared for because the church matters. 
And I pray that they take that attitude to Guatemala, Lord, that as they're there, the church matters there, and that they'll continue this attitude of disciples. What is a disciple? Just someone who's teaching what he's learned. So, Lord, we can be a disciple, and we can make disciples, and we never stop being disciples, and we never stop making disciples. Lord, just do that for your glory and your own. Now, we pray, Lord, for their resources. God, let it come in in the name of Jesus. Supernaturally right now in the name of Jesus. Move on our hearts and lives, God, and, and, and I pray you work through us in Jesus' name. God, we put our hands to the plow. We never look back. What we do for you, we do for the glory of God. We want to do it well. So, Lord, I pray you let them rest in the fact that you already have it taken care of and that, God, you're going to provide where you lead, God. So, Jesus, be Jesus in this moment. Take care of them. Let your angels wrap around them and care for them. God, we pray that our, as our hearts and ears long and wait to hear and anticipate, Lord, what you do with them. We know the story isn't told yet about a little group of disciples in Centerville. God, who take their part in the history of the church and send me. We leave it with you. We believe in you. And we say, yes, Lord, and the church does matter. Pray in Jesus' name. Everyone said, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Okay. Now, um, if you want to see the Lawrences, today's the day to do it. They're going to be busy the next few days packing up and getting ready to go. We leave on Wednesday. Uh, and uh, if, you, if God's been on your heart about maybe just sowing into their ministry, please see them. They'll tell you how to do that, even if it's just $10 a month. If it's $5 a month, I don't care, right? Sow into it. Those times. Sydney has her board out back, right? That still needs to be filled. If you want to partner with Sydney, listen, you don't have to choose one or the other. It's all sending, just whatever God leads and those things, right? Make sure that that happens, all right? So, Father, we love you. Thank you for today. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everyone said, hey, turn around, tell someone church matters.